Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, as always we try to do, is empower our listeners to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Uh, You can do so by calling in. The number is 347-237-237. Five two three zero. Uh, that's the main number to call to get your thoughts, insight, inspiration, dialogue, commentary on the air live. We're having to do something a little different. We're having to do it the old-fashioned way, calling in by telephone because uh, there's some work going on at the office. So we had to, we couldn't do the broadcast from the office. You know, we're doing it by phone, so it's different, and we're seeing how this is going to work. <laughs> Uh, if we could pull up all our things, we would be glad to. But we're excited about the show that we have lined up for you today. We we hope to be joined uh, by uh, Magus Richard Bullard, who is um, he has a powerful testimony. He's a, a former pastor and now a Gnostic master, and he's going to help us unlock spiritual sciences uh, as Christians and develop a more meaningful and deeper uh, spiritual life. So that's what we're excited about. And um, we're hoping that you would be there, uh, join us uh, later on in the broadcast when he comes on. Um, It's kind of hard to see uh, right now if he's on or not, but we're we're hoping that he he is on. And... uh, like I said, it's different. We're doing this by telephone, and 
uh, all our equipment and everything is not so clear. <laughs> so uh, just bear with us as we as we um, try to work this show. There's a couple of things that uh, that we have been following over the, the week. Uh, of course, as you know, it is um, getting close to Mother's Day. And uh, we're excited. Uh, I'm excited because we're celebrating both my, it's my grandfather's 78th birthday this weekend as well as uh, Mother's Day. And so we're sorry about it. I'm trying to just, trying to do random jargon. <laughs> uh, Magus Buller is on. Unfortunately, I cannot pull him up right now. And so we're trying to get our studio working. Oh, it's not letting us pull up any phone lines for some reason so we're going we're going to keep trying to uh, get that studio up. but there's some headlines that I always do I try to do some headlines before and this is kind of <laughs> rambling talk um uh, until we get this link open so bear with us as we try to do what we do best but we're hoping we can get it to work anyway there's a couple of things that I I I noticed and one thing that's really disturbing, you know, with all of the reality television shows that's out, uh, you know, it's the ones about the church that greatly disturb me, and there, there's reasons for it, for me to be disturbed. You know, as a pastor, it's my it's my job to you know teach the word of God and empower people to uh, be uh, faithful believers. And um, you know to know their faith, and unfortunately, a lot of times uh, people have no idea about their faith, and so stuff comes up, um, and they just fall for it. There's a new television show that is uh, coming to Lifetime, the Lifetime Network, and uh, it's called it's a it's called Preaching. It's a show about female prophetesses. And I'm, you know, I don't know what to make of it. Of course, they, um, I, I, you know, some preachers wrestle with women preachers to begin with. I'm not one of those. I am, however, um, one of those who just can't stand watching the church be exploited. And this is one of those cases where the church is clearly being exploited exploited and they're allowing themselves to be exploited uh these women prophetesses um, when you see the show when you see the show uh, it's not going to be much different from anything else so I don't know, but I'm 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 rambling. I'm I'm just all discombobulated because this this is just not going right at all. I I don't know what it is with the show today. Um, I can't bring anything up. I can't get any callers. Um, I'm not even showing myself. 
and it's just crazy. So what we're going to try to do, I can't bring any audio files up, anything. It's it's just crazy. Um, I have a, a, a Magus Bullard on online but via messenger, and we're trying to see if we can uh, get him on another phone, and we're going to see what we can if we can work that. See if, if that will work. So. Bear with us as we try to make this work uh, the best of our abilities here. You know, this is one of those moments where they, <laughs> you you want to say the devil is busy. <laughs> Gonna try something here. Uh, Magus, yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. I I don't know how this is going to work. I, I really don't know how this is how this is. Uh, I can't attest for I, my screen and everything is completely blank. Um. I am on the air. I could I could hear. I was using another phone to hear, but I had to use that phone to call you. <laughs> and so um uh I have two phones to my ear. <laughs> but uh what we're going to do, uh I don't know how how it's going to work out. We're going to try to make the most of this dilemma and I'm going to keep trying to refresh the page to get an idea of um to get it to work. And I'm sure it's going to work one way or another. It's just one of those things. It's working fine. Um, as I was doing my show prep and getting everything together, everything was perfect. And five minutes later, everything just goes into disarray. And, but anyway. Uh, all right. I got you up. Okay. So let me, I think it's working fine now. So what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and bring you up. I was going to try to pass the time <laughs> with some headlines, but um, what we'll do, we'll go ahead and bring you up, and and we will um, go into our dialogue, and we'll see how, see how it works from there. Is that okay? Oh, that'll work. All right. So I have on the line with me right now uh, Magus Richard Bullard, uh, uh Richard is he's a former uh pastor who has I like to use the word evolved or matured into a deeper spiritual uh uh existence. And it's been wonderful uh being having a dialogue with him and uh Magus Bullet holds a special place in my heart. When I was in a college student in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I had the opportunity of speaking at his church, sharing time with him, and um, just listening to him. I, I had his book. I still have your book, your first book, and we'll talk about that because that, that plays a great deal into uh, some of the things that we've, we've been experiencing in the headlines. And I, uh, he's one who tried to stir the minds of people in Pine Bluff and Jefferson County, tried to stir their minds to not just be so religious, 
and uh, in his in his exploration of deep truths, he has come to a new place, and I'm excited to have him back on the show. He's been on the show before, and I'm excited to have him back on the show again. So, uh, uh, Magnus Boogler, would you tell the folk hello? And sure, no problem. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I'm excited about being on Zero once again. I thank uh, my brother, uh, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, for an invitation. Um, things have truly developed and transformed in my life for the last time that we, in my life, for the last time we talked, and I'm excited about the chance to uh, share it with the audience. All right. That's great. I, I want, there's a lot that I want to cover. Of course, we've already had a dialogue uh, about this, but I really, I, you know, that it's a fascinating thing to hear your transition from minister to magus. And I want you just for our new listeners and those who are not familiar with you, uh, give a little bit about your background. Just give your autobiography, <laughs> and then okay. and we'll get into get into the, the the other thing about the spiritual sciences. But give the give the people a background. Okay. Well, you know, I um, I began in the gospel ministry um, when I was 19 years old, and um, I uh, immediately finished my college degree in psychology from the University of Arkansas uh, in Fayetteville. And then I went on to seminary at a school called Dallas Theological Seminary. It's a conservative, primarily a white evangelical perspective. At that time, I just really wanted to know the Bible. Uh, that was my reason why I chose a non-denominational school. I really wanted to know the Bible. I, I, um, I had a lot of questions, a lot of concerns. I was a seeker, and so I completed my master's degree in theology. It took about four years to do it. That's a four-year program. I then went on to uh, do some postgraduate work um, in theology. My goal was to become a theologian, which I did become, and and I was called back home because my pastor, uh, Reverend Robert Dickinson, uh, Sr., uh, had had a stroke, and he asked me to come and be the interim minister there at my church, which I grew up in, which is called St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church. I did that for about six months, and then I felt the need to stay in Pine Bluff, and so I um, started a church in Pine Bluff, a church called Grace Evangelical Baptist Church, which I passed for about 29, 30 years, um, from 85 to 2015. And so... That church was a vision that I had, a desire that I had to develop a new kind of church, a kind of church that was biblically centered, culturally relevant, life-transforming, and politically um, involved. That's the kind of vision that I had. Uh, I had that vision back in, really just in 1982, and because at that time the church, as I saw it as a young man, was not addressing the contemporary concerns of the African-American community. So my heart was really committed to the African-American community. And so even though I ended up going to a white evangelical seminary um, to learn the Bible, it actually deepened my question of concern is that how can the Christian faith be relevant to the social, historical, and economic plight of black people 
particularly in Arkansas and, of course, around the world. I happened to become a student of another theologian who was from Arkansas named James Cone. And mm-hmm. I was intrigued by Cone's uh, theology of black liberation. And so I studied Cone. At that time, I had differences in terms of theological, philosophical positions, but I definitely appreciated his attempt to make uh, theology relevant to the black question, the black concern of survival and 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 success in America. Uh, as you as you well know, uh, James Cone, uh, as the premier black theologian, um, was trying to merge what was going on in the 60s in the streets with what was being talked about uh, in the higher levels of learning, and and that's where the black theology of liberation came forth. And so I studied him, and so I committed myself to be a liberation theologian. So I learned a whole lot, and I was able to to take that thought process, integrated with a church paradigm, and begin my process of pastoring in uh, Pine Bluff. It took me through a lot of different um, um, shifts in thought and practice. Uh, I began to study the work of uh, Malena Karanga, who was the uh, founder of Kwanzaa and Mm -hmm. the seven principles of Kwanzaa, and I integrated that into a more than just a a um, a ritual, but into a rite of passage for transforming uh, people through the seven habits of Kwanzaa to become people who to achieve self mastery and social mastery. My book uh, later on came as a result of that study, telling it like it is. That's an attempt to again to give the church a theology of practice whereby we can transform uh, people, uh, particularly black people, into social transformers and engineers uh, to be able to develop a community of liberation to make it very practical and relevant to the questions and the concerns. That was tough because and at that time, um, at least the black people that I was dealing with in Arkansas, uh, had disconnected black history with black theology or God talk. Mm. Mm. And so my attempt was to connect black history, black culture, and uh, a theology or a conversation about God whereby God was concerned and was on the side of the liberation of oppressed people, not just black people, but oppressed people around the world no matter where they were, but I applied a contextualizer to the conditions that I was dealing with in my local city. It was a struggle, but eventually um, people began to make the connection the best they could. I wrote the book, Telling It Like It Is, to help uh, African-American people who lived in a conservative, fundamentalist, Christian frame of reference to make the connection stronger. And so that's still a work in progress. Some people got it, most didn't. But as I continued to grow and to develop, I eventually took the concern beyond politics and social economic questions to look at the health question because many African-American people, particularly men, were not living long enough to even to enjoy life post past 65 years of age. They weren't even able to enjoy their, the benefits of their labor. They were dying, dying from cancers, 
strokes, um, other issues that we know that, that the lives of black people were not very uh, long in, in, in the, from a health standpoint. So I was introduced to a teacher, an um, alternative medical teacher by the name of Jewel Pukram, and she introduced me into this whole new frame of reference from the standpoint of diet, um, different types of uh, alternative methods to to um, heal from various diseases, cancers, and things like that. And I was intrigued. As a matter of fact, she actually proved it to me by uh, altering some physical conditions that I was struggling with. And I actually saw tissue tissues in my body change for the better. And mm. I was hooked. And I began to have a more of a conscious understanding of the relationship between food, thought, and theology. But I kept asking deeper questions as related to my faith. And eventually I um, went back and began to study early Christianity, which was Gnostic Christianity. Uh, I read a book by a woman named D.M. Murdoch called The Christ Conspiracy. She had a pen name known as Achari S. And it mm-hmm. actually began to break down some of the historical untruths, lies that are that at the foundation of what I would call the literalist uh, Christian church. And I began to look at the central figure in Christianity known as Jesus more so as a symbol of one's higher self, one's, what we would call today Christ consciousness. And I began to study more deeply into the what is called the Jesus mysteries and began to look at a a deeper understanding, a more transcendent, um, transformative understanding of the stories in the Bible, not as history, but as mythology, but not a mythology that is alive, but a mythology that speaks to the deeper archetypal psychological aspects, transhuman aspects, that is in all people. In other words, I began to look more clearly at the statements in the Bible where it talked about what Jesus says, you are gods, and the works that I do, greater works than these shall you do. But it requires a transformation beyond just belief into experiential knowing, that is, to become that which you are trying to worship. So it's not so much about worshiping Jesus as an entity outside of oneself. It's about invoking and evoking the Christ within you. In other words, let this mind be in you. Now, that took me to another level of integration because most church people who follow a fundamentalist, literalist perspective do not read the Bible as symbolic or allegorical. They take it literally, and therefore they are looking for God to come back as if God left anywhere, they are looking at an external Jesus. They're looking at a historical Jesus. And in truth, what they do not know is that that historical Jesus is crafted and modeled after the image of um, a man created by the church for the purpose of political control, 
as we know, many of the Africans, some of the Africans that came to America, came to America on slave ships named Mm -hmm. Jesus, on a slave ship named Jesus. So we see that there was a manipulation of the Christian faith, um, beginning with the Emperor Constantine, and and then further developing into the church that we know today, the Anglican Church, the Roman Church. Anywhere European power uh, has gone, it has taken the this created image of Jesus, this white man, blonde hair, blue eyes, and has subjugated and subdued uh, people of color. So I began to really begin to understand why the Christian faith could not liberate people who are oppressed because the very image of the slavery, of, of enslavement, is branded into their subconscious, whereby the, um, if you could put it this way, the image of the enslaver was also the image of the deity, and that had to be broken. So as I began to study, go ahead, I'm sorry. You mentioned that, and it's one of the things that you know a lot more uh, black preachers are starting to try to this, uh, you know, make that connection, and as as well as disconnect, you know, by right. by taking the image um, of the deity and and saying right. this is not the deity in itself, and replacing that right. deity. That image with a, an image of color, a person of color, it resurges yeah. his faith, but it's still, I I can't tell you the number of people, black church folk who would rather see the blonde, blue hair, blonde eye, blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus as the identifying uh, deity than one with, well, see, you know. That's, right. Well, see, that's just half the story because it's deeper than color. It's yeah. deeper than color. And and uh, going through the Bible and taking all the white characters and then just coloring them brown or black or whatever, it is the idea that you are Jesus. Yes, you yes. are. Jesus is the, the the Jesus figure in the Bible is a is the Jesus figure in the Bible is an allegory. It is a symbol of human potential of human divine human divine potential. It is what you can be. And that we are called we are being called as 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 the early Christians understood, not necessarily to worship a Christ as if somebody outside of yourself, but to evoke and to invoke out of yourself to become the Christ. To become to go on our hero's journey. And become that, and that's the, and that is the, the mystery that was laid before the foundation of the world, that ye are gods, and you are Christ in the flesh. And as many of the contemplative teachers would say, let God be God in you as you. Well, as I began yes. to explore this idea. Um, Obviously, it was a difficult sale to average people who are used to uh, seeing it as something that is separate from themselves. Um, but that's what I did. And eventually, 
I met a teacher. I met a teacher who really began to show me how to take that from theory into practice, from understanding that what the scripture says, ye are gods, to show you that there is a method, and there are ancient methods that predate Christianity to to large extent, mm-hmm. that shows you how to how to go into your levels of consciousness and become that. And that was uh, uh, Dr. Mitchell Gibson. Uh, And he himself has had a similar experience of growth and development. And his teachings began to, um, his teachings began to transform me from the inside out when I began to do certain practices like meditation, like uh, solar meditations, um, like words of power, these tools, these spiritual, psychological tools, begin to open me up to a deeper reality, and it began. It also allowed me to be able to read the Bible in a more profound way, transcendent way than I ever have before, and this caused the revolution of me to go from a simple minister a preacher of doctrine to a magus, the ability to transform not only myself, but those through these practices who will be willing to listen and follow. And that's where I am today. And, and see, that is a tra- that's a marvelous journey. Uh, and, you know, I, I appreciate you taking the time to really go into detail about the the process uh, and, and your your personal journey to getting there. Um, and, and the magus, becoming the magus, I want you to explain what that word is, the origin of it, okay. its connection its connection to uh, the Jesus of Nazareth in the Bible, in the, uh, in the gospel narratives, and its connected, connection to the Gnostic uh, Christian, Christianity. Okay. Okay. Well, as you know, uh, the uh, a magus is derived. Magus is derived from the word magi. It's connected to the word magic. And and so, as you know, through the Christian story and the story of um, the birth of the Christ, is that he was attended by the magus or the magi. It's a Persian word that speaks to these spiritual scientists who understood the depth of the human psyche and its ability to evolve itself to to higher levels of being that we would call gods. And so the Magus the Magus were a group of spiritual scientists who understood the bridge between the gods and man. It is this magical tradition, it is this ability to trans cause transformation, to know how to work with the forces of nature that we call gods, to know how to relate to them and how to connect to them, to to know how to manipulate them, as we see in the story of Jesus, whereby he could speak to the wind and to the waves and they would be still. He knew how to heal. These were spiritual science sciences that people who were trained, particularly in the temples, uh, the, what we call so-called pagan temples 
of the ancient Near East, like in Egypt, um, and uh, like in Babylon, like in Persia, there were there were these these uh, students of these masters who basic principle was to know thyself, and to know thyself is to know the universe and its gods, and this is one of the things that I began to explore the techniques, the Abilities that lie dormant within us, that lie dormant within every man, woman, boy, and girl. But when they choose to go on the journey of self-discovery, of knowing thyself, these powers wake up within you. And with the uh, teachings and the practices that I learned from uh, Master Teacher Mitchell Gibson and his wife Kathy Gibson, it began to wake up things in me. For example, uh, one of the first times I actually visited uh, the Tybro Center, uh, this is how you can connect with uh, Dr. Gibson, it's uh, uh, www.tybro.com. When I went to the Tybro Center, um, he had a, a meditation room, and I went in there for the first time, and I sat down in front and took a lotus position, crossed my legs, held my hands out, and began to meditate in front of this large, very large Buddha statue, uh, the statue of the Buddha. And I had an experience. I had a vision. I had an experience that I could not deny, that I had never had before. And at that particular workshop, uh, Master Gibson had a, a, a machine that was able to read like an MMR or MMI or whatever it is, uh, he had a machine that was uh, able to read your energy, or what we call your aura. And in that, after I had done that meditation in front of the Buddha, my aura was extremely golden and green. And he shared with me that that was the presence of the God Buddha shadowing my thought, the God thought, or Dejante, shadowing my consciousness. And and the more I would work with that and develop through certain types of prayers that I would learn, it would it would begin to change my aura, and my abilities would begin to become more pronounced. Abilities such as being able to speak words of power to create healing, the abilities to be able to uh, be clairvoyant, to become clairsentient, and that has since happened, and. And so I'm very thankful for this journey and this process. Uh, and so uh, that's pretty much uh, um, what a magus and what it's not just for me. Well, I want everybody to understand. It's for anybody who chooses to go on this path of self-discovery, your hero's journey, to connect mm-hmm. with the gods within you. And, I, and, and this is one of the things that uh, religion has done, whether it's a Christian religion or the Jewish religion, or the Islamic religion, these external ceremonial aspects of our religion, they are intentionally have robbed us, the people, of the magical element. They have, been, they have removed that from the conscience of people. And this is what the early Christians, the first Christians, were not literalists. They were not literalists. The early Christians understood Jesus as a symbol, not as a man, 
you were the man through which the power of the various deities. As a matter of fact, the truth of the matter is the goddess tradition was intact at the earliest Christianity. What 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 when the powers that be begin to adopt Christianity as the religion of the empire, they destroyed or removed or diminished the goddess. They began to wipe out in the country of the people the presence and turn them into demons, the other gods, and they basically separated even the God of the Bible, Jesus, from human potential. So they put us in a state of worship. They put us in a state of external ceremonial worship, and we lost power. We had a religion, as it says in the Bible, a form of religion, but denied the power. What I'm looking at today and why I'm speaking this on your show is to cause people to understand, is to go back and to cross that bridge and to connect, go back and get your power. Go back and 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 and, and know yourself, and begin to bring forth your power. Don't just talk about it. Don't just serve it and worship it. Become it, because that is who you really are. Now you just said a a mouthful, and for a lot of a lot of my uh, listeners who are good faithful churchgoers, good faithful Christians, know the Bibles and you know their church and things of that nature, you, uh, you, I'm quite sure you have unsettled them. And I'm quite sure they're probably going to take it out on me. <laughs> well, uh, that's why I give sounds, you a lot of praise. <laughs> it sounds, and I, I, I don't like using this word, but it does sound heretical. Some would say this is heretical. You, if, the fact that you sat in front of this this statue of Buddha, you you had this experience uh, experience that uh, that really engaged you like none other, and now you're on this this new journey. And how do you defend? Uh, and um, how do you defend the experience? As some would say, well, that was probably demonic, or you know what you're doing is. You know, it's fanciful and not scriptural. <laughs> I like using that. How 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 would you how would you defend that? What would you say, or what do you say well, to that? Well, there, there, there are a couple of ways. Because um, understand, I'm like anybody else. I was raised in a traditional literalist uh, form of, of religion that we know as Christianity today, um, and so I understand their fears. I had the same fears, but Here's how I overcame my fear. It's very simple. Number one, I studied. I had to go back and I had to I had to study. I had to put away the superstition and the fears of how the enslaver how the enslaver had manipulated my thoughts about everything and particularly my own people. I had to go back and I had to go back and study the history. Um, this is when the Afrocentric side actually helped me. Uh, the theological side actually helped me because I could do historical research and see where the shifts came. So I would encourage people to go and do um, some reading. There are books you can read um, on this particular uh, issue, religious and theological issues, 
for example, um, I would recommend the book called The Christ Conspiracy. I would recommend The Jesus Mysteries by Timothy Freak. Um, mm-hmm. There are many other books that, that you can read and do your historical research on what happened at the Council of Nicaea in 325 and begin to see how the Roman government, or at least the Roman Empire, manipulated uh, and changed history. Um, many many um, historians are now beginning to address this question, to look at and see what books in the Bible were banned and why they were banned, and why in 1945 there was a major discovery uh, called the Nag Hammadi uh, Codex, what we know as the, 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 the Gnostic Gospels, and how that really changed and asked the question, why do religious powers, why have they taken so long to make this information available to the public? Because they are hiding something. And therefore, once you begin to understand where the lies and manipulation of history is going, now you have to ask, now you have to question, well, what is it I'm really doing? The next thing that I, I did was I began to meditate. I began to go within and, and began to know who I am. I began to practice meditation. And this is where, again, I say the work of uh, Dr. Gibson has blessed me a lot because I began to learn how to know myself and began to study those ancient techniques that opens up the deeper levels of who you are beyond just the physical world. In other words, you have a body, but you are not your body. You have thought, but you are not your thought. You have feelings, but you are not your feelings. We are the co-creators of our reality. And I began to learn more about my soul, my living soul. This is at the work of, there's a book called Living Soul by Dr. Gibson uh, that's very good to read. And I began to practice these ancient tools and techniques that the ancient Egyptians, the ones who built the pyramids, the one who gave the world the knowledge of science and astronomy and astrology, I began to study this and, more importantly, practice this. Not just believe this, but practice this. I went beyond just having reading about someone else's religious experience, and I began to have my own spiritual experience, and I practiced these things. And so that's that's the way. That's that is the way you break that fear. And ultimately, like it says, a tree is known by the fruit it bears. Not only did I gain insight and intellectual knowledge, but I began to have a change in my very behavior, attitude, and response to problems of life. So all I can say is taste and see. Uh, there's hmm. no words I can say to you that can say, yeah, do this. I'm saying, no, experience this. Have your own experience, and you will discover that which, what, you will discover that God is bigger and broader and deeper uh, than you ever can experience sitting up in a church. And it's okay. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. For those of you just joining us, uh, again, you're, on, you're listening to Zero Today, and I'm Pastor Lorenzo Neal. My very guest very special guest is Megas uh, Richard Bullard, who is a former pastor and now a Gnostic master, and we've been discussing uh, his journey 
uh, be- from becoming minister to Megas. And it's really not much of a big difference, but uh, <laughs> at least not to me. To others it may be, but to me it isn't. Um, let's get into this, the mystical sciences. And the last time we, you were on my show, we talked about uh, the mystical side of Christianity. Um, and as you know, I, I, I've, I've started this journey of, of trying to transcend what I've been taught as a preacher to do. That is just to preach, sit down, preach again, sit down. And, you know, that's all the members really expect us to do, and they really don't expect to grow. Uh, or if they do expect to grow, it's within the confines and constraints of their other expressed Christian traditions, such as speaking in tongues or having, quote-unquote, the anointing or whatever that is. But they never really get into the the mystical side. Uh, for some, you know, those those experiential uh Spiritual gifts are about as mystical as they get, uh, but we've talked about that. And I, uh, I ch- you share, you brought up about the uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer Aramaic and how did you experience it. And I started, I, I I learned it and began to pray it. And I I I taught those who were willing at my church how to do it in Aramaic, and you would be surprised those who. Who who engaged it? How transformative it has been. But let's really get into this idea of Christian, uh, the 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 Gnostic sciences. And I, huh? I know there's another religion called Christian Science, and I don't I I don't want those t- to be confi- confused. But um, right. enlighten to us, enlighten myself and the audience. About what this, what it is that you are, you have learned, have mastered, and now are trying to teach others. Well, okay. Let me just say that um, the word Gnostic is it comes from the word Gnosis. It's spelled G N O S I S. I have a website where I. Um, talk about this, write about this, um, and then various have various tools for people to use that begin to help them in their spiritual development. Um, but Gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, um, means knowledge. But it's not any kind of knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. It's illumination knowledge that comes, that comes to you from within you from a deeper aspect of you, what we call your higher self or your God self, and that is what Gnosis is. It comes to you by way of practice. It's not a doctrine. It's not a belief. It is an experience that comes through practice. As the Bible says, faith without works is dead. So when you have a belief and yet you don't have, and yet you don't have a practice, you just have a doctrine. You have a dead letter scripture that you are memorizing or that is being passed on you from church to from, from some other person to you and you just believing it. But it's a different thing when you actually have an experience that comes as a result of practice. So these are psychotechnologies, uh, soul technologies that causes your soul to evolve and to become who it really is to know thyself. So when I use terms like 
Christ consciousness. What I'm talking about is the mind of Christ. As it says in the Bible, we have the mind of Christ. We're talking about taking on your true nature. You can call it Buddha consciousness. They both are the same thing. As a matter of fact, uh, Pastor Lorenzo, if you go back and study uh, what they call pagan gods, Krishna, Buddha, um, Thoth, um, Osiris, uh, Amun-Ra, Koatikwela, you'll discover that the same narrative story Mm -hmm. about them mimics the narrative about Christ. Jesus. Jesus Even though they predate the story of Jesus by five to 10,000 years. But how is that possible? Because there was an ancient wisdom that was taught by these masters, Pythagoras, uh, Imhotep, um, the god Thoth, um, and on and on. They, that was taught about how to help man to evolve from just being a, an ego man to becoming a god man to know thyself and you will know the universe and its gods. And to do that, you have to connect with the gods. You have to connect with them. And there are practices that that, that allow you to do that. For example, um, there is the god uh, Apollo or Shamish or you even call it, you you can even call it, um, call him, um, um, Yahweh. Because Psalms 84, verse 11, look it up. It says um, that God is a sun, the S-U-N. God mm-hmm. is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. So the sun, the physical sun, is a representation of the divine sun that gives illumination. This is why in Psalms 19, it tells us the heavens declare the glory of God. It tells us that there is a speech, a communication that comes from the sun in its higher dimension, what we call the fifth dimension, that shines through the light in the third dimension of the physical sun, the orb. And by meditating with the sun, one begins to evolve, one begins to become enlightened. And I know this by practice. This is one of the... One of the um, Methods that I really did learn learn early um, from Dr. Gibson and his and his studies and his teachings and and things like that, where we begin to experience um, enlightenment and we begin to practice these things called words of power. As a matter of fact, solo words of power, and that begins to change you on the inside. You begin to experience enlightenment and things that were lying dormant within you. Abilities, understanding, insight, uh, overcoming problems in your life, you begin to experience that and you know that there's something going on. The ancient Egyptians understood that the sun was a source of healing, the sun was a source of enlightenment, the sun was a source of evolution. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, um, with some of my children, um, I've actually had them to do these practices and watch it change their physical body. They had a health problem or watch it change their ability to become more intelligent. This is why today 
one of the greatest things we can do if we really want to impact the the academic and the intelligent level of children in any city is to teach them how to meditate in with the sun. I have a blog written on my website um, about Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Shall I want that Psalms? And mm-hmm. I treat it as a solar meditation. It starts you off early in the morning. It takes you through midday. It takes mm-hmm. you through the end of the day. And so when you practice this form of meditation, it will evolve your soul. It will enlighten your mind. It will have certain informational factors that will begin to increase your ability to have intuitive thought. And you'll be wondering, where is this thought coming from? Where are these ideas coming from? It's coming from when you begin to have a relationship with Apollo, when you begin to have a relationship with the sun. These are living gods. We can deny them. We can say they don't exist. You can call them the devil all day long. But they still exist in the world in the form of of land, the earth, for another word, air, water, sunlight. That's the law of the land, the laws of the land. To have a relationship with the land, to have a relationship with the air that we breathe, to have a relationship with the water, to have a relationship with the sun. These are the gods of our celestial and terrestrial world. And this is what has been taken from us. And when, and when we recover our right mind through proper practice, we begin to open ourselves up to greater potential, greater possibilities. I know it sounds, it, de- it definitely does sound very different because it is different, but the truth of the matter is, is that if you overcome your fear and the indoctrination put in by those who want to control your spiritual growth, a whole new world opens up to you. What you did with the um, Lord's Prayer, let me tell them about that. There are four divine, there are four divine world prayers that. Well, there are many more, but I'm saying, but there are four major divine world prayers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one is the Lord's Prayer that we know, said in Aramaic. The other one is what is called the Anubakoa or the Miracle Prayer, which is spoken in Aramaic. There's another one called from the Hindu tradition called the Unisa Vijaya Dharani. And then there's one from the Japanese tradition that's called the uh, Amorito Narigoto. And so these prayers, the reason why they are powerful is because the very language of Aramaic, Arabic, Latin, um, and these other elder dialects carry the sounds, the very sounds which are the angels of light that transforms energy into things, thoughts into things. These are the great secrets that even scientists now, quantum scientists, are beginning to recognize the power of sound to change reality. And what does the Bible say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What is a word? A word is a sound frequency. And that's who you are, that's who I am, and when we begin to use these sounds, it's more than just a begging prayer. It becomes an evolutionary intention that changes us from within to without. 
I so, have proof of that. And what what is okay. the proof? What, what, well, you said I, you had you had proof. You had you. proof. The proof uh, is you. The proof you are the letter. You are the sound. The proof is the change of your thought, the change of your behavior. You stop identifying or misidentifying yourself as just this physical body. You stop misidentifying this world as just a rock, the third rock from the sun, and you begin to see the spiritual power that gives animation, that gives life to the physical body. We are more than our physical body. We are more, our lives is more than being born and being die, and dying in, the, in a period of 70 or 100 years. You have never been born, and you have never, and you can never die. You are immortal. You are, it's your true nature. You are timeless. This is what the ancient teachers understood, and, were, and to those who were worthy, they taught them the secret of eternal life. And, and I'm, I'm glad that Jesus you said says, That's why Jesus says you are God. And who was he arguing against? He was arguing against those literalists, those religious controllers who wanted to keep people from their power. That's what was happening then, and that's what's happening now. If you go one, we go one step further, and then I'll then I'll stop. Okay. In the Bible, and, and Jesus taught the, the disciples asked them to teach them how to pray. He taught them the secrets of the kingdom of God to the masses, the public, the people who are just curious. He gave them the story, the stories of just the stories, the outer stories. But those stories had a deeper meaning. He took them on a private area, and he taught them the mysteries of what did those parables mean. And the Bible itself, the stories of the Bible, are the outer cloak. They are the stories, just natural stories, but they have to be decoded. They have to be defined uh, uh, into what, what is their symbolic meaning about human nature. Because you are a divine being having a human experience. And you have to wake up. I like to put it this way. We are being called to wake up, grow up, clean up, show up. That's the call of our lives, to go through those fourfold process. And at GnosisMatters.com, that's what I do for people. I teach them how to wake up how to grow up and evolve, how to clean up, deal with their ego, and then they can show up in space-time and make a difference like never before. All right. I want to to explore one more area, and then I want to get into uh, a little more of the the, um, Afrocentric thought, particularly regarding uh, your book, Telling It Like It Is, and how I feel it was a bit prophetic in its, uh, in its, work, in its, in its day as to uh, speaking to the issues that we're facing now uh, in uh, black America. But um, I, wanted, I wanted you to uh, talk about the use of talismans in, uh, as a part of this process. And um, I understand 
how talismans are used. And I even understand that even in the first and second century, there were some similar things. Uh, uh, those who followed Gnostic Christianity, those who were Gnostics in the first and second centuries, um, they engaged those talismans, those secret um, symbols and things of that nature. And we don't do that as much in modern Christianity. I don't think it, anybody uh, in the Christian tradition engages them anymore. But can you can you touch on those the use of talismans as a means of spiritual uh expression and, and um power? Okay, as you as you stated before, early Christians uh used early Christians um used talismans and sigils and amulets as means of power to manipulate um, the energy of the environment for healing, for banishing dark and evil spirits, uh, for many other things. And so the talismans are tools. They are they allow us. These are tools that are written on. Some of, some of them are written on paper. Some are written on um, uh, metals. Um, uh, but they are tools that allow the user to transform their world, create their reality. Uh, again, I have a series of talismans that I offer on my website, gnosismatters.com, G-N-O-S-I-S, matters, M-A-T-T-E-R-S.com, that actually gives you the power to change your reality. Um, we have what is called uh, magical talismans that put a protection, a spiritual protection around your home. In these talismans, um, these priests were able to codify or be able to trap the energy of the spirit inside, a, a, on paper, on deer skin, on, on, in metals. And when you said a certain prayer, you can unlock or release that power to do your bidding and what you will do. These are great tools. We are told to put on the full armor of God. We are told that we are um, to do spiritual warfare. But how can you do spiritual warfare if you don't have spiritual weapons? Because you're not fighting mm. flesh and blood. You're fighting, mm-hmm. you're, you're fighting spirits of darkness and weakness in high places. This is one of the reasons why we are losing in our community. you got churches, you got people praying, but they don't have power. They don't have spiritual tools. What I have learned and what I have to offer are those spiritual tools. And, yes, they will cost you because one of the ways in which we actually send a message to the spiritual world is how we use our resources, our money. And we use a lot of our money on foolishness. If mm-hmm. you really want to protect, if you really want to secure your environment, your home, your children, your, fam- your family financially, there are spiritual tools because there are different deities or gods who have dominion or domain over certain aspects of life. There are gods of healing. Raphael is the angel who who covers the the the, the need for healing. There are gods of of uh, prosperity. The goddess Fortuna is the angel or the deity that 
oversee the domain of, of, of prosperity. When you are ignorant of those angels, of those deities, your ignorance then limits you from being able to access them. You have to call upon their name. You have to have access to their to their frequency in which they can be found on, just like a radio station, just like a radio thing. It has, operates on a frequency. And so this is why this conversation is so important because we are people who are looking for freedom from oppression, but mm-hmm. you are ensnared by chaotic forces that oppress. Well, you have to have a counter to that. That's why Paul again says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty indeed for pulling down strongholds. This is why we have to understand the spirit. Now, to be honest with you, Pastor Renzo, our earlier parents who came over here initially from the, as a result of the slave trade, they came from these magical traditions of culture in Africa. But when we were mm-hmm. taught that they were ignorant, they had no language, no knowledge, no civilization, when we were taught that they were at best superstitious and working demons, in our ignorance and fear, believing the stories that we've been told, we shun them. We shun their herbal knowledge. We shun their magical understanding. We shun their psychology. But the question we have to ask ourselves, if they are evil, our ancestors, and they were superstitious and ignorant, why are a lot of the pharmaceutical companies, why are a lot of the governmental agencies over in Haiti, over in the Amazon, over in Africa, spending money to be taught by these so-called witch doctors who we know they are shamans, spiritual scientists. Why are they studying them? We are running from the very thing that the people who who control us are running to. Think about it. So these talismans are tools of power to change reality. And, you know, I'm very thankful to my master teacher, Dr. Gibson, that he exposed me to this. And I'm not saying a belief. I'm telling you about an experience. They work. Whether you believe it or not, they work. And that's why my grandmother was a roots woman. She believed in, 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 in Jesus and God and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time, she understood the power of her roots. It's only since we've gotten educated in, I have to say, the European system of teaching that we begin to run away from our power. It's time we go back and get our power and not let people make us afraid of ourselves. I agree, and 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 unfortunately, I have to say that we we've gone so far as to emulate and, and then uh, disseminate that very same oppression to our in in the black church. I've I've been noticing this trend for at least the last twenty five thirty years, particularly in the charismatic area. You know, we've we've just taken and, and emulated and disseminated, and now our our church culture is. Just, Great dis- disarray because of that. I mean, that's one factor, but uh, I think that's a large contributing factor. We we lost that right. that 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 sense of identity. Uh, what made us unique as a black church, 
uh, right. And see, the thing is, the thing is, um, uh, uh, Pastor uh, Neil, is that truth of matter is Western Christianity or European literalist Christianity or fundamentalist Christianity is dying because people are waking up to the manipulation and lies of history. Is dying, and we cannot we can no longer fool our children because they see it. They're talking. They're talking about it on Facebook, on YouTube, all around the world. They see it, and they may not say anything to you because they, you know you might get slapped, you know, or whatever by you by your mother or somebody like that. But they see it, and if we don't if we don't go back and get our truth and get our knowledge. We're going to lose that generation. This is what I'm talking about today is the future of the Christian faith. But it's not just the future of the Christian faith. It's the future of religion, period, because people are tired of the arguing and the wars and the manipulation. And this is why the, the Nazi teachers, see, the in the, old, in the Jewish religion, the Nazi tradition behind the Jewish religion is called Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. In the Islamic tradition, the Nazi tradition behind the Islamic uh, religion is called Sufi. Mm-hmm. And as you know, the Nazi religion behind the Christian fundamentalist religion is called Nazism. Whereas the the literalist religions of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity argue over whose kingdom is going to rule the world. The Gnostics behind those traditions have no argument with one another because they know it's all symbolic at the on the on the surface, but it speaks to a deeper reality of us from within. That's why I can have a conversation with a Hindu. That's why I can have a conversation with a, a, a Jew or a Muslim who understands the depth of the true depth of their religion because we all are after the same thing because we know truth tonight is God is not a Christian, God is not a Hindu, God is not a Muslim, God is not a religion. We know that. Ah, yes, we do. Let's sh- let's shift the conversation uh, as we wind down time. And I, I intentionally did not take any breaks because, I, you know, I, I really, the, the meat of the matter is what I wanted to get to. I didn't want to take any shortcuts. <laughs> uh but let's 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 get to this perspective um of the disjoint in the black communities what we're seeing you know the the cry now is black lives matter and you know it's it's speaking to uh, uh the 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 i i don't call it an outbreak but in the recent um revelations of police brutality and uh, inequities and injustice. Now, you wrote a book called Telling It Like It Is, uh, maybe about 20 years ago has it been, almost? Yeah, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the book, I, I've, I've read a copy, I've read it, and, you know, you speak you speak truth to power. Um, and I said before, I, I think your, your book was kind of prophetic, in a, in a sense, because of the way it spoke to uh, what we're seeing now, and how to really uh, be aware of what 
what would happen, and now what would happen is is happening. So, uh, from your perspective, of you know, you're the author, you've re- you wrote it. Twenty years later, how is your book relevant to today, particularly after events like Ferguson and um, and Baltimore? Um, it's relevant in the sense that it speaks to a positivity in the psychological and the spiritual development of boys to men. The problems that we are seeing today are evident of the lack of evolution that's occurring uh, in our community as a whole and in our children in particular. We have to develop rites of passages. We have to develop boy and child psychology into adult psychology. Um, whereby we no longer act as immature children, inferior in our mind, where expecting others to do for us what we need to grow up and do for ourselves. We have too many men still operating in boy psychology, too many women operating in girl psychology, in a dependency mentality, or even being frozen in their independence and don't know how to carry on interdependent relationships. This is the result of the need for self-mastery and social mastery. And so we have to go about the work of developing boys to men, girls to women, children to adults. The next this is this is this is why the book is relevant because I point out then that we have a problem in our culture. Um I've defined uh, white supremacy as a global system of power whereby people who are classified as white have privilege and power over people who are classified as people of color in all areas of people activity, be it education, entertainment, um, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. The problem is immaturity immaturity in our social, physical, and spiritual development. We have to overcome immaturity, which means that we have to learn how to grow from being dependent on others to becoming independent within ourselves and then one step further to know how to be interdependent with other people so that when we enter into these dialogues, because the whole world belongs to all people, the world does not, but the earth, the earth, we all share the earth. The earth does not belong just to one race of people. So we mm. all have to grow up, and we have to learn how to carry on mature, balanced, interdependence, and we relationship. We have to go beyond just saying you do it to I do it to we do it. Business, marriage, governance are interdependent relationships that require mature people, grown-ups to do. We cannot send a boy to do a man's job. Therefore, it's our job as parents in this community, churches, institutional education, uh, employment within our community, we have to be a part of developing our children, developing our sons, where they can know how to through, through, through with maturity know how to negotiate their way through a real problem called racism. As a result, when they encounter a problem, 
they won't revert back just to throwing rocks or fighting, which is understandable because that's a warrior aspect that has not been developed to its full potential. They have to learn how to do war against an opposing opponent because war is a part of our reality. But boys fight, men war, and that's, that takes a form of intelligence. And so that's why the book is relevant because I've discussed those things. And to uh, close this part out, the two examples of psychology that has to be merged into one body is the example of Martin King and the example of Malcolm X. Jesus put it this way, be you wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. That encapsulates tough mind, tender heart. Malcolm is tough mind. Martin is tender heart. You can't be either or. You have to be both and. And that's the example when we can merge our integrationist tradition and our nationalist tradition. We integrate them and we become a new man, a new community. And that's when we begin to have power. But you got to add that spiritual part we talked about because without it, you go in uh, fighting a, a, a fighting in a war where the person has MK six MK sixteen, and you got a <laughs> you know a butter knife, a butter knife. That's not yes, gonna work. indeed, indeed. Well, Megas, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I've enjoyed it, and I, I hope my audience has gotten some enlightenment to the different paths of. Uh, I know a lot of people. They really they get they're getting tired of the church thing as as normal, and I know a lot of people. That's why a lot of people just stop going. I read an article the other day uh, that about seventy five percent of people in churches stop going because they believe they've heard it all. You know, they they hear the same messages. Uh, those who are lectionary preachers and those who are uh, annual day preachers, you know, like Sunday. They're probably going to have a Mother's Day message ready, <laughs> and they're not really going to speak uh, speak power to the people. And I know church people are tired of that, um, and I appreciate you for being transparent and sharing your journey and how, you've, how you have come to a greater existence spiritually. It, it's really, really empowering. And I'm not saying everybody would do it. <laughs> Everybody will not do it, but I appreciate you for doing it. And I thank you for, again, being on the show. Uh, before we close out, go ahead and get your information one more time. If people want to contact you, uh, if they want a, a consultation from you, if they want uh, any materials from you, uh, how can they go about doing that? I can be reached at this website, um, www.gnosismatters.com. Gnosis is spelled G N. O S I S matters M A T T E R S dot C O M or dot com. And on that website I'll only give my own personal testimony, but also we have various products that can protect, provide, like protect your home, uh provide uh health benefits as well as financial benefits. These are the talismans that we have. They're called spiritual kits. Uh, we also have one of our uh, 
I guess, most profound talismans uh, called the Magi Power Sigils. And those talismans, that's a one, it's a one package that has three talismans in it. One is a talisman that banishes spirits and cause shortened life. One is a, is the other one is uh, banishes spirits who cause accidents, and the other one is to banish spirits um, who cause chaos and evil in your life. That's a very profound package to have. Uh, we're working on a a medallion of protection for children, and so that's coming up as 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 well as the um, um, the book is there, telling it like it is is on the site. So uh, if anybody wants to uh, uh, have that type of power in their hand, you go to NoSysMatters.com. Also interested in being able to speak to other people, to be able to speak to churches and other groups who want to learn uh, in a more protracted, deeper way about what we've talked about this morning. And I can be reached at 870-872-1582. All right. Uh, you, you did mention... Uh, you you have your Facebook page too. Oh yeah, you can reach me on on Facebook. Uh, it's Richard Bullard, R I C H A R D Bullard B U L L A R D. All right. Well, again, I appreciate you for being on the show. I thank you, and uh, I, I hate that we started off with this technical difficulty. Uh, <laughs> they they they're doing work in in my office at the church, so I had to. Had to improvise, and uh, either way, I appreciate it. And again, this is uh, Megas Richard Bullard and Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We thank you for joining in us again. If you want to catch any other archive show from zero to date from the last several uh, years, you can go back and visit uh, the website uh, blocktalkradio.com/zero today. Go to my website lorenzotneal.com and order a copy of my book, uh, Breach in the Family. And we we have an anniversary, fifth anniversary edition of book, that book coming out, as well as visit uh, on Facebook, the Zero Network, and you can catch archive shows then there uh, on that site also. Again, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Thank you all for listening. Until next week, we shall return with another exciting show. Uh, God bless you. God keep you. Amen. <laughs>